Have you ever read a book and thought to yourself, I could explain this to someone else, but maybe there's a few things that I want explained back to me. I'll be sitting down with authors, thought leaders, visionaries. I'm your host, Josh Lipstone. This is Explain This Book to Me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh Lipstone, and this is Explain This Book to Me. Today is book four, episode two. I am joined today by the co-author of the book, The Visual Sale, How to Use Video to Explode Sales, Drive Marketing, and Grow Your Business in a Virtual World, Tyler Lassard. Tyler is a business leader with a passion for creative storytelling and exceptional customer experiences. As VP of Marketing and Chief Video Strategist at Vidyard, he spent six plus years helping grow businesses uh, helping businesses grow throughout through the strategic use of video content. He is also the host of the Creating Connections podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Tyler. How are you today? Oh, thank you so much. It is great to be here. I am very well coming at you from cold and snowy uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, but things are great here. Thank oh. you. Well, good. Well, good. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's it's a little cold here in North Carolina today, so I can't imagine what you guys um, are experiencing even farther north than us. Um, now, before we dive into the book, I'd like for the loyal readers to get to know you a little better sure. with three questions. Um, so question number one, do you prefer a book or an ebook? I prefer a book, a physical book. Okay. I do. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I've tried ebooks. They just don't work for me. Um, question number two, what is your favorite book? My favorite book. Wow. If I can go all over, if I can go anywhere with this, I'm going to pick the Gruffalo. Anywhere. The Gruffalo with my children. Uh, I have okay. four kids and uh, have had the chance over the last 10 years to read a lot of kids' books, uh, which yeah. is uh, actually a lot of fun and interesting. And uh, my youngest daughter right now is on a bit of a the Gruffalo uh, kick. And uh, it's one of those ones that I actually enjoy reading over and over again, which is the sign of a yeah. really good book. Well, good. Well, that's awesome. All right. Now, final question. This one's a little more serious. Uh, would you say it's nature or nurture? that's made you the person you are today? I'm going to go with a nurture for okay. myself. I think I've had, uh, you know, a lot of great opportunities in my life to, uh, that have, that have helped me get to where I am here today. I'm very fortunate for a lot of mm -hmm. the situations I've, I've been a part of and, um, you know, terrific family, terrific people around me. So I'm going to, I'm going to vote on the nurture. Very good. Well, thanks so much for letting us get to know you a little bit, Tyler. Now, for those of you who are keeping score at home, we are recording this episode on Thursday, February 11th, 2021. And let's go ahead and get started explaining this book to me. Um, so you begin the book by talking about how you weren't a video guy to begin with and how actually your eight and 10 year old um, helped you with learning how to edit video. And then just a couple years later in 2018, you were named one of the fearless 50 by Marketo. Um, but what was the most impactful part of the section of the book for me was when you talked about connections, which makes sense mm -hmm. why you named your podcast Creating Connections. Can you define for the loyal readers what you mean by the word connection? I mean, I think it's such an important part of, of everything that we do in business. And when I think mm -hmm. about connection, you know, it's not about how many connections we have on social media networks or how many you know, quote unquote friends we have on Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about those opportunities in those moments to create real meaningful personal connections with people, whether they be colleagues or customers or partners or prospects. And, you know, how it is that we use today's mediums to do that, because even, you know, more so than ever, we rarely have opportunities to meet with people in person, particularly mm. in the business world, where we've traditionally made a lot of those connections through conversations, right. through uh, you know activities, through shared experiences. But in the digital first world, it's a it's a very different um, landscape, and we need to be really mindful about you know how do we enable people on the other ends of these connections uh, to actually connect with us, to get to know us, to get right. to feel invested 
in, you know, our personality and in our success and to make them feel like we're invested in them as well. And it's a very interesting area as we move into this truly digital and, and virtual age. Definitely. And video is one of the things that allows us to connect with people on a on a more human level than just the tech space that we've all kind of grown accustomed to over the years. Um, now, this was something I had asked Marcus um, on the first episode, um, which I recorded with him just a couple of days ago. Um, you guys write that your first goal is to flood the reader with enough ideas as to what video can do for their organization. And the second goal is that the reader will have the basic tools, foundational knowledge, and direction to take action. So do you believe that you not only achieved those two goals, but exceeded them from when you first discussed this with Marcus? Yeah, I think that's spot on in terms of the, the goals of this book. And we really wanted something that people could action right away because there's generally an appreciation and awareness of, you know, video as a content medium. Um, you know, it is important. It is powerful. It is a great way, whether you're a marketer, right. seller, a business leader. But uh, through our experiences right. in working with, with lots of different people and, and companies, the biggest challenge consistently is, I get it, but how do I put this into action, right? Where do I place my right. bets? And how do I help my team become comfortable doing this at scale? So I do feel like we uh, we we were able to live up to that in the book. I think yeah. there is a lot of um, you know very actionable takeaways, and I think with respect to ideas and inspiration, um, you almost feel afterwards like we over delivered on that. Sometimes I feel people are intimidated reading it because there are so many ideas and examples. You know, every chapter there's oh you can do this and you can do this and you can do this, uh, and I have exactly. had some people say. After reading this, I'm like, I'm, I'm almost like, I don't know where to begin. There's so many things that I'm missing out on. And I try to reassure people that you don't have to do all of this. In fact, we don't expect anybody to do all of these in their first, you know, 12 months of doing video, but we want to make sure exactly. you can find places to get started. That's the most effective for your business. And that's actually going to be one of the things that we'll talk about later. Um, you know, when when you guys do lay out, these are the different things. Um, we'll talk about, you know, where do they start first? Yeah. What is the first or what is the most important thing uh, for them to the type of video to start working with? Um, so let's just jump in um, to the the first part. Um, that you that you wrote for the book um, and it's why video works and so you begin this chapter by writing it's no secret that people love to watch videos and ever since television kind of found its ways into our lives in the 1950s um, it's become the next best way to not actually be some there somewhere in person um, but to still be able to experience it um, and you actually write about an interaction you had with your 10 year old son, Alec. Um, would you mind telling the loyal readers about the story that you wrote about in the book about what Alec asked you, uh, you know, what you were doing and kind of um, what happened when uh, when he asked that, that simple question? <laughs> it is. It, it's those great moments of, uh, mm -hmm. of, of of almost innocent curiosity. Uh, my, yep. my son, Alec, as I was, you know, in my office quite a bit in, uh, in my extra hours, uh, you know, working away on the book. And, uh, I do remember at one point he came in and we were talking a little bit and, and he was asking me what, what I've been doing in the office so much. And I, I told him that I was actually working on, uh, writing a book. And, uh, you know, he said to me, oh, that's cool. But like, why, why are you writing a book? And I said, well, you know, I think I've got all sorts of great information to share and ideas. I've mm -hmm. been, had this opportunity to learn a lot. I want to share that. And, and he said, no, no, no. But like, why are you writing a book instead of making a video or, you know, something like that? And it was like, it was like a touche kind of moment, right? It's like, it very, yeah. of course, uh, you know, interesting writing a book about video and, and people will, you know, often say, well, you know, why didn't you make a video about video? Uh, but, uh, but it was funny because you know, again, in his mind, as a 10 year old at the time, he, um, you know, when, when he when, when he's interacting with the world, so much of his interactions today are visual and audible in nature, mm -hmm. right? It's either, you know, if he's looking for an answer to a question, it's either a, a YouTube search, or he's literally asking Google, mm -hmm. hey, Google, and he's listening to the answer. And, you know, it's not that, again, oh, children yeah. today can't read, but their preferences and modality have totally changed. And this multimedia world, it's just an expectation. So it was a really, it was a really interesting moment where he caught me off guard. And I said, yeah, interesting point, my, my son. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, my, uh, 
my three-year-old niece, um, now she just, you know, pulls out her iPad. And when she has a question, she doesn't type it. She just pushes the microphone yeah. and she just speaks it in there. And uh, it, it's hysterical. You know, you'll ask her something and, and that's what she'll do. And she'll look it up and she'll figure it out. So kids are pretty amazing. Um, so the last statement that you make in this chapter explains why we love video and entertainment so much. And you write, it lies in human biology and how our brains process different forms of information. Mm -hmm. So getting back to why um, we are so attracted to, to video, um, because that is just the way that we are now programmed um, from years past. Um, so moving on, we have, uh, which is going to be a major theme throughout the book, the, uh, the power of video is as easy as the four E's. So you write that video is a richer way to tell, a richer way to tell a bigger story. Um, and it's also the perfect medium for explaining complex ideas. Um, and this actually happened to me uh, last week with a client. Um, I sent them a video explaining uh, a complex you know, issue that we were having. And in the email back, the first thing was, thanks so much for the video. It really made sense. And I don't think I've ever really received that type of response in the e from an email saying, oh, thank you for your email. You know, that that really explained right. it well. Um, so the, let's get into four E's of video. So we have educational, engaging, emotional, and empathy. Um, so what as far as each of the four E's, what process or, or, or where do they start first? Do they start with educational being the focus? Is it engaging being the focus? Where do they start with the four E's for video? Yeah, well, it was really interesting when I, when I kind of came to this notion of these four E's was, uh, you know, I'd spent a lot of time, again, working with different marketing teams, sales teams, and business leaders on what was really working well for them with respect to video. And, mm -hmm. and, it, and it kept coming back to some of these consistent themes in the content that they were reporting was having the biggest impact. And that was kind of where the, the four E's came from. It was, you know, the videos themselves were either, you know, very educational in terms of explaining ideas mm -hmm. clearly. They were the ones that made people laugh or, you know, created a sense of inspiration. Um, they were the ones that created a more human connection with people and, and okay. allowed that, that empathy to happen. Um, or the one, they were the ones that simply created a more engaging experience because of the storytelling narrative. Yeah. And, um, you know, th those are really, you know, I think fundamental for me. And, um, you know, what I encourage people to think about is it's not necessarily you, you start with one or the other. And it's not necessarily mm -hmm. that any individual just has to be one of those different E's. Um, in fact, many of the best videos you create incorporate multiple of those different E's in them. If you are trying to, if your goal with a certain piece of content is to explain an idea and help somebody learn, mm -hmm. then absolutely focusing on its educational mm -hmm. attributes is key. And when you think about, you know, how do I educate with video? A lot of that comes back to how we use visuals and how our brains okay. process those visuals. It's how we mm -hmm. tell, how we have sort of parallel learning paths with what we're seeing and what we're hearing. It's in terms of how mm -hmm. we use audible intonation and body language, all of these things assist with how we process information. Um, but that being said, you can still make an educational video very empathetic by having real people that are explaining these in a human to human way mm -hmm that create that joint understanding in ways that again, you know, non sort of visual uh, content can. So it's, it's always important to think about these are different attributes you can pull into the different videos that you're using and being mindful of what's the goal of it and which one should I focus on really bringing to life to make this something that's really going to have an impact. Yeah. One of the things that you, you mentioned about people being able to learn, um, I guess, uh, I don't want to use the word better, but it's the only thing that comes to mind uh, through video. Um, and you reference this in the book where the brain can process visual information 60,000 times faster than text-based. Um, so that basically translates into a 60-second video. Someone's going to learn more from that than reading your content for 10 minutes. Um, now, there is something that you actually kind of give a little bit of a shout out to uh, the majority of our listening audience um, when you write about um, 
So it says, uh, writing, by writing uh, videos that affords you the opportunity to learn about things such as jumper cables, home insurance, or the latest AI tech for your sales team. How did you, how did you include, or, or what made you include home insurance um, as, as part of that? So I, I want to say that you knew that you were going to be on this podcast right. at some point, and, and you just wanted to connect with the loyal readers. I think you might be right there. Um, yeah. no, you know, as, as you think about it, uh, you know, a lot of this, this came from my own experiences of mm -hmm. what are different topics that we can relate to in both our personal and business lives that are things that people in the space, you know, they, mm -hmm. they, they, they tend to almost overestimate what everybody else tends to know in that, in that field, right? Like us as business right. people, um, you know, the mm -hmm. businesses that we're in, we live and breathe this stuff. And if you're in insurance, mm -hmm. right? Like that's, that's what you do. And you tend mm -hmm. to overestimate how much other people actually know about how insurance works, right? Or taxes, exactly. or finances, and so on. And, um, and so we often miss that opportunity to really educate people on this is what this really yeah. means and this is how it happens. So I think it was one of those things that was probably drawing on, you know, my own personal experience of not really understanding how insurance works, but knowing that if somebody just clearly answered these few questions about it, I would probably get it pretty quickly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, now, one of the examples or the companies that you uh, talk about in the book is a company called Terminus. Um, I think I said that correctly. Um, and when they um, when they started using video, they, they saw some pretty amazing results. So they had, they saw a 300 percent increase in response rates. Right. Uh, the prospect was more casual with them. Number of meetings went up, no shows, cancellations go down. And this meant that they were able to establish empathy, um, which one of the four E's, um, and relatability between the buyer and the seller. And then that led to trust, which was a big thing that we talked about in the first episode uh, with Marcus. So Tyler, what are some best practices for recording a video like Terminus did using Vidyard? Um, and no loyal readers, I'm not being paid. To, to promote Vidyard, uh, but um, it is a, a phenomenal platform that you can use that will help you and your, your clients or prospects. So mm -hmm. what are some best practices? Yeah, so in the case of Terminus, that was an example where these weren't you know pre-produced videos that the marketing team was making or anything like that. These mm -hmm. were uh, a group of sales reps who were largely doing um, outbound prospecting. So they were, they were hunting for new opportunities in the market. And they were very gotcha. early adopters of video as part of that process. And they learned the nuances of, instead of just sending out a text-based email to somebody to, you know, to, to build a relationship or to pitch them on an idea, they would take the time to learn a little bit more about them and then hit record and record a video to quickly introduce themselves to you know, create mm -hmm. some kind of a more personal connection and to explain how it is that they can help. And they started including these videos in those emails that were going out to mm -hmm. prospects. And as you mentioned, they use a, a, a Vidyard and there's other tools that are out there as well that you can do that. And uh, they found, uh, as you said, si significant increase in the response rates to those outreaches. And they attributed it very largely to um, you know, the impact of those videos to both stand out and actually get people to engage, which is often, you right. know, the hardest part when you're prospecting for new business is you just, you know, need to get them to actually, uh, you know, engage in your message. Um, but then again, their response rates going way up because again, after you've watched somebody for 60 seconds in a video, you've seen the level of effort they've put in, you get to know them a little bit as a real person those empathy moments start to kick in where you, you recognize yeah. that, oh, this is a real person. You know, they actually seem like they could be helpful. There's a law of reciprocity that kicks in where you, you start to think, well, they put that effort in, I should at least respond. And it starts to get them into more um, opportunities. And the amazing thing about that is, again, these mm -hmm. are videos that they're just hitting the record button, 60 seconds, and they're done and send them off. It doesn't cost them anything, right? They And at that right. time, I think they were still using the free version of Vidyard, it's a free tool, they're recording videos, and it just, you know, it was kind of a no risk move. Um, but they were able to tap into it and, and find ways to create those connections in much more meaningful ways. And, and they were ways that other sellers just weren't doing. So it really stood down as well. Yeah, and uh, loyal readers, this is definitely something that you can easily implement into your 
agency or your business today. Um, Vidyard, they, like Tyler said, there is a free version um, that you can download, add it as a, um, what is it, a shortcut or, or an extension on Chrome or right. whatever it is that you, browser that you're using. And, and when you have a prospect that, uh, you know, gets in touch with you, you can send them a quick 60 second video, introduce yourself, and you can see how the, uh, you know, uh, needle moves um, in your favor. All right, so let's move into the next part of the book, um, and that is the evolution of buyer behavior and marketing. Mm. And so this is part three of the book. Um, and so the first chapter is uh, the most common marketing challenges. So the way you outline them, um, there are four of them. So the first is priorities are a moving target. So companies have shifted from outbound marketing to inbound marketing. The second ch uh, challenge is digital channel expansion and diversification. So now companies have embraced SEO, website optimization, email, blogs, YouTube reviews, et cetera, et cetera. Third challenge, increased responsibility. So the companies have actually tasked marketers with the entire customer life cycle. And then the fourth challenge, offline goes online. So companies are now embracing an online first mentality that was accelerated by COVID. And so you end this chapter by writing that all of these challenges, they stem from one root cause, which is the changing behaviors and expectations of today's buyers. So Tyler, how have the expectations of clients of Vidyard um, changed over the last 12 months because of everything that we've had to encounter. And what have you guys done to kind of meet those expectations? Yeah, I think a lot of what we've seen is consistent with, with other businesses. And it's, you know, the simple fact that uh, buyers out there expect to be able to go online to find, you know, a tremendous amount of information about the, mm -hmm. you know, the problems they're trying to solve, about the potential, you know, vendors, about what it is that they offer, uh, how it is they can solve problems. And they expect to be able to do all of those things without having to, you know, quote unquote, pick up the phone and get on a conversation with with a sales rep. And we, right. we all experience this in our in our personal and, and I think business lives for many of us as well, uh, where we again, we have this expectation of self-service, of being able to do things on my own time and, um, and, and that level of transparency. And so I am seeing it drive more and more businesses, our own as well, and, and many others to, you know, invest in creating more content online and putting more information mm -hmm. out into the, the digital ecosystem right. to help mm -hmm. people answer those questions they have and to learn about us, to learn about our solutions, to learn about our people and our products. Um, and, and, and I think that's a really important piece. And it wasn't just brought on by COVID. It's a trend that's been happening as people become more and more, you know, more and more digital natives, uh, you know, are, are part of the, right. the ecosystems. Um, it's been happening for a little while, but what's really interesting is when you think about that mindset and you say, if as a, as a marketer, um, if I'm going, or, and as a business, if we're going to live up to that and say, okay, we're going to put more out there. We're going to let people learn about our pricing. We're going to let them mm -hmm. see our products or services. They're going to, we're going to let them hear from our customers and what they think. Right. And you, you start to feel this loss of control in many cases you go oh well you know i could i'm no longer having a conversation i can't direct it in the way i used to and this is a big challenge but that's where this role of video becomes really important because you say if i am going to put more out there the problem is if it's all just written content and static information yeah it will help them learn but it's not going to create the kind of connection it's not going to you know again let them feel the emotion uh, that it may have. It's not going to let them meet your people like you used to do on those calls. And so this is where these things collide and thinking about if we're going to give these kinds of experiences, we need to be serious about things like video as a way to deliver them, but without sacrificing those things we used to do, like creating a real connection with people and, and letting them know who we really are. Yeah. Allowing this to enhance rather than to detract. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we're going to actually talk about a little later um, in the episode is uh, something that Vidyard did a couple years ago that kind of put them, you know, a little bit at the forefront of virtual events. Mm. So I'm, I'm sure that yeah. um, you'll be excited to talk about that. Uh, so moving on to the next chapter, 
This is about new buyer behaviors lead uh, uh, lead to a new world of marketing. Um, so you begin this chapter by walking us through the ways consumers used to learn about products and services. Um, but now today's buyers, they have basically an access to an infinite pool of information. Um, you can learn anything virtually that you want to online, especially with YouTube. Um, so you write that serious decisions and Forrester research to companies um, report that more than 80% of the buyer's journey happens online now in a self-service fashion. So that means that your team is now responsible for creating brand awareness, lead generation, educating off audiences, so on and so forth through digital so that they can be found when someone is looking for them. Um, so you write the statement, which is something that um, loyal readers, you need to let resonate with you. And it's that marketing has become the sales rep that never sleeps. And just like we talked about with Marcus in the first episode, you know, video does not call in sick. Video does not take vacation. Video does not sleep. It is there for you 24 seven. So when you're thinking about this and you're trying to decide, do I hire a videographer or do I hire another salesperson like we talked about with Marcus in the last episode? That videographer is going to give you something that will always be there for you until the end of time, or at least until YouTube goes away or, or whatever it is that goes away. Um, so moving on to the final uh, chapter of this part, it's uh, the buyer's journey, the role of marketing, what it means for video. So you write um, at the beginning of this chapter how HubSpot actually defines um, the buyer's journey. And it's the uh, the process buyers go through to become aware of, consider and evaluate and decide to purchase a new product or services. So this is going to give us the four stages of the journey and basically going to take us through the, re the remainder of the book. Um, so stage one is awareness. And this is where your buyer is going to gain awareness of a brand or product or service, um, the problems that it can solve and the benefits can offer. Second is consideration. And this is where the buyer educates themselves further on potential solutions and vendors. Uh, third is decision. And the buyer has narrow, narrowed down the potential solution, secured a budget, and they're preparing to make the uh, buying decision. And then the fourth one is the post-sale retention, upsell, and referral. And marketing now plays a key role in customer satisfaction and customer advocacy as a means of generating new sales opportunities. Um, so I've been talking for a while, so I'm going to ask you a question, Tyler. So the question I have for you is regarding the four stages of the buyer's journey, what stage do you record the first video for? So if you're if you're a business and you're thinking, I want to start creating video for this journey. Do they start an awareness post-sale? What do they fo focus on first? So the answer, like many things in life, is it depends on where it is your business has the greatest challenges or what you're trying to accomplish, right? So there's mm -hmm. lots of different places you can absolutely start. But I would focus in on you know picking an area of the business that you are focused on as, as an organization and trying to improve or enhance uh, and, and get more value from. So if your biggest problem is lack of awareness, you're simply not getting the number of leads or opportunities, uh, you know, in the door that you need to, then, you know, starting to leverage video as part of your awareness and inbound marketing strategy mm -hmm. can be a really great place. Um, but in, in uh, you know, in others, we absolutely see them saying, our focus right now is, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of conversations, but our sales team, you know, is, is struggling in terms of their close rates, then it may be that the marketing team says, great, so let's like, let's focus on helping our sales team, let's create video content that is going to help to address the potential objections that they're hearing from clients mm -hmm. that are going to help them clearly answer or show why it is that our solution is better. Um, so that's another area you may want to consider. And a final one, which is often an, a little bit of an easy place to start for people, is look at your company website. Because during mm -hmm. the buying process, the majority of people that you sell to at some point are going to go to your website to learn about you. Mm -hmm. And it right. sort of becomes a center of gravity for your, your digital footprint. And if you go to your website and you walk through you know, the content on there, I you know, I do this all the time with different businesses. I like you find all these parts where it's like, oh, you say you're the best at this. Well, show me, like, just show me that mm -hmm. you are, like prove it in a 
video, like do something that shows me how that works. Or again, you talk about a part of your solution or your service, but you don't have something that visually represents it. Or you've got a great customer testimonial or a quote, but I'd love yep. to you know, hear it. Let me, give me the passion. Let me see the real person behind there. So that's another great place to start if all else fails is start with your website and look at what you're trying to accomplish there and think about could video help me tell a bigger, better story here that's going to create a more emotional yep. connection with those buyers. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merged? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. Well, there you go, loyal readers. Now you have an idea of where you need to start when you want to focus on the uh, the buyer's journey. So that's actually going to lead us into part four of the book, um, which we're going to talk about using video marketing and the awareness stage. Um, so for this part of the book, I kind of looked at it and it looked like you had broken it down to four sections. Um, so we have inbound marketing, YouTube, social media, and then webinar and virtual summits. So we're going to start um, with the inbound marketing. So the first thing that you write about um, in the chapter, earning attention and reaching new audiences, it's something very obvious. Um, and it's, you can't win a new customer if they don't know you exist. And to me, it makes me think of the movie Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. Um, so... <laughs> I don't know if you're a baseball or movie guy, but uh, that has to be either one of the best yeah. or, you know, top five yeah. baseball movies of all time. Um, so but then you tie in the four E's into the awareness stage. So you write yeah. that first and foremost, video is the best way to educate audiences. Second, it's a great way to engage new audiences. Third, you can stimulate an emotion from someone who's experiencing your brand for the first time. And then fourth, uh, video is the perfect way to showcase empathy um, and create that human connection. And you end the chapter by writing that having a team member create a short video explaining a complex topic will beat out any text-based article. Um, and we already discussed that. And uh, I think that that's pretty clear um, how, how yep. using that is going to be, uh, helpful. Uh, moving on to the next chapter is, uh, you write about that inbound and content marketing you publish, um, is typically aligned with the most common questions your audience may be searching for, um, which gets back to what Marcus and I talked about in the first episode, creating that 80% video, uh, being able to provide that so that you, get those questions answered from the beginning. Um, and you do give us uh, in this chapter a little bit of background on content marketing, you know, what, how it began 20 years ago with marketing agencies, freelance writers, 2010, it was more of a focus of coming in house. Um, and then Google kind of changed things um, and they started placing greater emphasis on video. And so this kind of turned this evolution of, you know, let's take content marketing, make it visual marketing. Um, now, there are five styles of educational videos that you guys talk about, um, and I wanted to get your, your thoughts um, on those. So the five are talking head, uh, question and answer and how-to videos, topical deep dive, 
interview-based, and then episodic series brand. Um, so what is the first type, if someone is creating this educational video, of those five styles, which one should they start with? And if they want to, you know, only do a couple of them, which one is like an absolute must that they will do as part of an educational video? Well, I think a lot of people will naturally get started by making videos that have, you know, usually one main expert uh, or advocate mm -hmm. on camera who maybe can explaining ideas, uh, walking through something. And, and I think that's an easy place to start. So that's kind of that almost the, 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 the talking head style educational video to answer questions, to address topics that you have an area of expertise within, within your business or, or within your executive mm -hmm. team. So that tends to be um, a relatively safe and, and easy place to start. And uh, you know, the formula for that is pretty straightforward in terms of explaining an idea. It's almost like delivering a micro presentation about a certain topic. Um, mm -hmm. The other one that uh, we see a, a lot of adoption of as well is the interview-based or Q&A um, you know, kind of style videos, which may involve, again, having somebody who is a customer, is an expert, is an advocate, um, you know, participate in a, uh, a mm -hmm. Q&A style video to address certain topics, to answer questions. Frankly, not very different from what we're doing here in an audio format, right. um, but tending to do things that might be shorter form or they may be longer form um, as needed. But those can also be very approachable formats where you don't, um, you know, preparation is important in terms of the questions you're going to dive into, but they don't tend to need a lot of production afterwards or branding around them necessarily. So both of those two style lend themselves to getting started because they don't necessarily warrant a long-term commitment to what you're doing or, you know, a high degree of production afterwards. Yeah. Now regarding those interview type styles, I've never really done one of those, but when I've thought about them, um, I've always thought about if I'm sitting next to someone interviewing them, do I look at them or do I look at the camera? What, what is your advice on that? Yeah, it, it is interesting. It, it can certainly trip people up of, yeah, do, do people look at the camera? Do they look at each other? Mm -hmm. Do they look slightly off camera? Um, so the the ideal scenario, if you actually are co-located, which we very rarely have the opportunity to be today, but if you actually are physically mm -hmm. in the same space, um, you know, ideally the the two of you are talking to each other. It is conversational. Mm -hmm. You're not like turning and looking to the camera and looking back. It's you know you do want it to yeah. feel natural and authentic. Um, however, the, the ideal scenario is to have, uh, you know, two different cameras, one that is sort of a side shot where you can sort of see the conversational nature, but another one that is a little bit more of a, of a straight on that you can do a little bit of editing afterwards and you can cut between the two. That also yeah. creates a little bit of, um, you know, more variety and interest in the video itself. Uh, it helps to keep people's attention if you if you do end up having some differences in styles of shots, um, right. some cutaways, things like that, to create a little bit more momentum in it. Okay, very good. Yeah, that's uh, I, I thought about the the two video or the two camera idea, so you yeah. can go in and out. But today, yeah, I, should, uh, I should mention though that today a lot of you know because a lot of us are of course remote that we also see a lot right. that are being done now over something like you know a recorded Zoom call or or otherwise, and in those cases. Yep. You know what's important for people there is yes you want to be looking into the lens um because in like a zoom you're not turning your head and looking at each other necessarily that's not the expectation <laughs> but in that case you can both be looking at the lens and speaking to the audience as you're talking to each other and and that uh, that works extremely well as well well very good um well the next chapter is actually going to allow us to dive into uh marcus and his company river pools and spas mm. um now can you tell the loyal readers what the focus or the intent was behind the types of videos that they had created um we you talked about or wrote about christian cirilla and i apologize if i mispronounced your last name and when he talked about the difference between a vinyl and a fiberglass pool. What were, what were they trying to accomplish with that video? Yeah, this is textbook uh, inbound marketing and, and content marketing, which is, you know, at this awareness stage, we have to be mindful mm -hmm. that a lot of, you know, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to intersect people online with where it is that they're going to find information. 
And so right. in, you know, and, and so in a sense, that's a lot of what search engine marketing or SEO ends up being about, where we know that people are largely going to go to Google, they're going to search for something, a topic they're interested in, a question that they have, and they're going to look for results related to that. And in, in the insurance market, you know this as well as anyone, because people are, they're going online, they're, you know, there are yep. clear indicators that they're interested in purchasing insurance if they are searching for very specific topics online. And so the inbound marketing philosophy is you want to be the one to be able to answer those questions for those people, um, to bring them in, to get them exposed to your brand, to make you more memorable to them, and to ultimately become a trusted advisor such that when they do go to make a decision, you're likely to be the one because you were the first one to answer their question. And so a lot of us have traditionally done that through written content and written blogs, mm -hmm. uh, but more and more we're using videos as part of this to answer those questions. And that's exactly what River Pools did. They had lots of written mm -hmm. content to answer the question when people search for fiberglass versus vinyl pool, because they know if somebody's searching for that, they're researching pools and they want to be the one to guide them to make a decision because that's their business. And, um, but you know, I think what they, what they found was they saw great traffic to their written blog posts, but it was right. also difficult for people to really understand that complex idea without really seeing it. They were also mm -hmm. missing an opportunity to create that kind of personal connection and be more memorable with them as a brand. And so very similar topics to what they were already covering on their blog, they started to create videos about. And a very similar narrative in many cases, right? They'd cover some of the same topics, but with the video, right. they'd be able to actually show some things rather than just tell it. And they would have people mm -hmm. from their company, right, talking about it and explaining it. And mm -hmm. that created this additional element of trust as well as memorability of their brand and their people because you know if somebody watches that video and reads somebody else's blog post three months later they're coming back around they're like okay it's time to start thinking about putting that pool in who do you think they're going to remember mm -hmm. so, you know christian right. who was the guy in the video who you know had a really nice you know tight facial hair he was very friendly you know he was in the deep <laughs> yep. end for part of it or the blog post mm -hmm. from that company that ah, I forget, right? And so that visual and right. memorable nature of video comes back into it at this awareness stage. Now, do you recommend when people are kind of using video and blogging together that they basically make the video and then they use the transcript from the video as the blog mm -hmm. post, or do they do it the reverse? Do they write the blog post, use that as the mm -hmm. script? Or is it two kind of separate? They write the blog post and they basically sort of summarize in the video. Which, what do you recommend? Yeah, it um, it can go in any of those directions. So it's a great question because you can, okay. um, you know, you can write a blog post and then you can say, hey, let's include a video in the post to show something mm -hmm. or dive deeper into it, and it can be a complementary kind of experience. Or you can say, let's do a written blog post about this, and then let's do a video. And the video is going to live on our YouTube channel and in the resource center mm -hmm. of our website. The written piece is going to live on our blog and they may even cross-reference each other, but you're using the two different pieces in different ways. That can absolutely work as well. Um, or to your point, you can start with a video and say, you know what, this topic, let's really nail it through video and then use the transcript as part of the post. So all of those are viable ways to do it. But okay. what I do suggest is being mindful that when you do create those videos, the nice thing with mm -hmm. them is they can live on multiple channels and be used in lots of different ways, right? You can take that video, right. put it on your YouTube channel, give it a different title there. So people searching on YouTube for that topic will find your video and then it can send mm -hmm. them back over to your website. It can go on your social media channels as a video that people can watch on those channels. So it gives you other ways to be able to distribute that where traditional blog posts wouldn't really make sense. And that makes perfect sense. And we're actually going to talk about in just a little bit about how you, uh, you know, put video on social media yeah. and how it is different um, from YouTube and your website. Um, so we're going to finish up this section of the book with um, a checklist. Um, so we have the inbound marketing checklist mm -hmm. for loyal readers for you guys to follow. Um, so the first is create educational content to answer common questions and address key topics. Next, focus on content value rather than production value. Next, be intentional with the format, style, and tone of your thought leadership videos. 
Next is plan ahead and keep it natural and conversational. And then finally, use the four E's of video to bring your ideas to life. Now, with this, what is the one thing that you find that people struggle the most with when when they're kind of looking at this checklist going, okay, I need to do, you know, A, B, C, D, and E. Yeah. Uh, what's the one thing that they struggle the most with and what can you, advice can you give them to overcome those hurdles? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is they struggle with how to how to kind of tell a, a bigger or a more interesting or engaging story through video as a medium. Um, because I think often they can, you know, they know the topics that they want to talk about, um, you know, figuring out, oh, we could do it as a talking head or an interview or a series. You know, those are, are things that you can work through on a, on a worksheet and, and, you know, make decisions right. on. But then when it comes to, geez, you know, how can I use video to make this more interesting? Because often people will then be like, all right, so I read my script into the camera and that's my video. And you go, well, mm -hmm. you know, that's okay. At least now you see a real human talking Guilty. about it. Yeah, for sure. We all we all do that, right? And in some cases, that's okay. But the real opportunity is that, you know, again, the fact that video is visual in nature and you have to start to think about, well, what could I, what could I show as part of this that would help people's understanding of the topic? Um, or, you know, right. make it more memorable to them. How could I use visuals, whether they be props or setting or, you know, perhaps graphic design or cutaways or B-roll? Um, you know, again, how can I infuse it with a little bit of emotion so that I get people smiling, right? By the end of it, they're mm -hmm. like, oh, that was great. I can't wait for the next one, right? You're not going to get that if you're just, you know, speaking monotone to the camera and delivering information. And so figuring those things out. And, you're not always going to get it right up front, right? You'll think about, oh, I want it to be like this. Right. You'll produce one and you'll go, well, that didn't quite turn out the way I was hoping. And that's fine, right? You can put those things out there and learn as you go. Um, but that's the thing I really encourage you to be mindful of is it, it is a bit yeah. intimidating as well because it is a creative medium that there's so many different things you could do. Um, but again, there are some tips in the book about, you know, how can you bring these ideas to life in simple ways that do incorporate the power of, of visuals that incorporate emotion that make things a little bit more interesting such that people do walk away going feeling good and like, yeah, I can't wait to watch the next one. Exactly. And loyal readers, if you are feeling maybe a little overwhelmed with how am I going to be the one that creates all of this? Well, that's why you hire a videographer. And that's what we talked about in the last episode. It isn't necessarily something that you have to do all on your own. Um, and frankly, it probably shouldn't be something that you do all on your own. You are the expert in your business. Um, and that's why people come to you you bring in a videographer who is an expert in that and they will help you. Um, so we're going to move on to the next one, which is YouTube. So um, how you basically how to use YouTube to build an audience and generate leads and then how to use educational content on YouTube to attract more viewers. So everyone knows what YouTube is. Um, if not, please let us know. Um, you know, comment on the post if you if you don't know what YouTube is, um, and we'll send you uh, we'll, we'll 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 send you a book for free. How, how about how about that? That uh, that that'll come from me. Um, so you write that YouTube is an online channel to build an audience, educate your target markets, and generate new leads with SEO. It is not just for cat videos. Um, or for whatever else. Um, and we're yeah. gonna go back to the four E's. Um, so getting back to the four E's uh, of the type of videos that you're going to create to live on YouTube. So um, educational, we're gonna answer common questions or clearly explain the important topics. We're gonna be engaging. We're gonna use episodic video series that keeps the audience coming back for more, which we're gonna talk about in just a minute. Uh, and then they're gonna be emotional. We're gonna cre create creative videos that are fun, entertaining, yet they're still going to relate to your business and they're relevant to your, your target audience, your prospect, to your client. And then we're going to definitely show empathy. And if you're doing the first three, three things correctly, if you're doing educational, engaging and emotional um, videos, then the empathy is going to show through. So Tyler, can you tell the loyal readers about the branded video series that Vidyard created for the awareness um, so the video in focus, the creating connections, and the video island, um, just kind of give the, the loyal reader some information about that and what it's done for Vidyard. Yeah, we, we do a number of these. Uh, we have a, another video series called Chalk Talks, another one called um, Sales mm -hmm. Stage. 
And, uh, you know, these are ongoing video series that we've created kind of a bigger brand around so that when people are engaging in one episode, they're more likely to engage in previous episodes and or subscribe to receive, you know, things that are coming in the future. And what's interesting, again, with video is it gives you that opportunity to create that bigger brand around it and that bigger idea, um, as opposed to like mm -hmm. a series of blog posts, which don't have that same kind of draw for people necessarily. And I think the one great thing about YouTube as a channel is that it has the built-in subscribe engine to it. And so that promise right. for people of, you know, you're going to get, you know, more great content next week um, can help draw them mm -hmm. in to click that subscribe button and subscribe to your brand. And now again, an episodic series is a great way to kind of keep that momentum going. Um, so these have been great for us. We hear from lots of different businesses across all different markets that have started to do this. And um, I've, I've seen great success and have found it as a nice way to build a community around their content and, um, you know, oh, yeah. in better ways than just individual videos themselves have. Yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense. And uh, we're going to talk about that as we go through the YouTube video checklist um, about how to organize that. So um, you, you know, you, just like you gave um, with the first, uh, we're going to have a checklist, uh, you know, for inbound marketing, we have the checklist. Now we're going to have the YouTube checklist. So we have for that um, first is to find the goals of your YouTube channel guide to your content plan. So you, you say, don't let YouTube become the retirement home for your videos. Um, I thought of it as a graveyard, uh, plan out the goals and the type of content you want to offer. Um, second, create the educational content to answer the common questions and address those key topics. So you need to focus on the helpful video content. You can dive deep into topics, and you want to make sure that you steer clear of promoting your own products or services because you want to remain trustworthy. So getting back again to the first episode where we talked about trust and building trust. Third, we'll create an episodic video series to drive subscriptions and sharing. Um, and you want to have this on a dedicated playlist. Uh, fourth, we have use brand entertainment to be memorable and shareable and basically just have fun with it. Um, kind of let your guard down. And then lastly, use playlists to organize your content in a way that maximizes engagement. So you make sure that you are not just throwing up a video um, without any rhyme or reason. Um, put it in a playlist so that people can come back and watch it and kind of go through that whole journey with you. Um, now, the one question I had on this checklist, it's not necessarily about the checklist itself, but about steering clear of promoting your own business or products. Um, is there a point where it is appropriate to create a video that does promote your business, the products that you offer, and the services that you offer? Is that in a different stage? And we just have to avoid it here in the awareness stage? Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, lots of places on your own website to talk about what you do mm -hmm. and how you help and to showcase your products and services. Um, but when it comes to your YouTube channel, you know, this is mm -hmm. not typically a place that people are coming to, you know, dive deep and be sold to, if you will. Um, you know, that said, there you know, are lots of cases where people may have categories on their YouTube channel to learn more about their business or to highlight some of their customer success stories. Um, I think in many cases, it can be okay to have those on the YouTube channel, but they should never be the priority content. They should never be the featured content. Again, this is typically about a community where people are coming in to learn, mm -hmm. to share, to subscribe. And all of a sudden, if it's a hard pitch you know, product video, they are more likely to go, eh, I'm moving on somewhere else because this isn't what I came for. That makes perfect sense. Um, so next, we're going to jump into social media. Um, and so how to expand your social media reach with engaging video and how to create social first thought leadership videos. So you write that video makes people stick around longer. And we reference a, um, a stat um, that we've talked about previously, which is that Facebook has found that video generates five times more engagement than static content. Mm. And the reason that this is important for the social media platform um, and businesses is that for the social media platform that are ad revenue based, this is going to create more revenue for them. And what that does for the businesses that are using video is that they're going to prioritize your content over static content. So, 
social media platform for them, it's a win. And for you, it's a win because you're going to get more views and be out there more. Um, so, and then you remind us that you can use old videos to, to post on this. So what would you tell the loyal readers or how would you advise them to share videos to social media that you've already produced in the past and you want to, you know, put it out there for, for people to learn more about? Yeah, well, I think um, I'll, I'll preface that with the the best strategy for video on social is to create video content that is meant for the social networks. Um, but okay. that said, as, as, as you indicated, many of us have a lot of great content already that we can repurpose and reuse on these different channels. And, um, you know, that's absolutely an area that you can start and, and get value from quickly. What you'll want to focus on is, again, being mindful of the different social channels, whether that's LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever it happens to be for your community, and uh, you know, understanding what is the type of content they're expecting on those channels and trying to be consistent with that to make sure you get the value. Because if you try to put a 10-minute long interview on Instagram, for example, well, first of all, it's just not going to work. It's, it's not, you know, it has different restrictions. <laughs> But that's not the kind of thing people there are expecting or looking for. So be mindful of that and think about what do I have that might make sense to put out through these channels? Um, think about which channels make the most sense. But the other neat thing that you can do is you can, you know, grab snippets from those videos or take something mm -hmm. that would create a little bit of a teaser for it and, you know, put those out on those social channels and link back to the main content somewhere else. And that works really effectively, again, for channels like even like Instagram, you can have a short Instagram story about something mm -hmm. uh, and a short video that then links back to the broader content on your website or in another place. Do you have, because that, that jumps us into the next chapter about the, the basically the four platforms um, that you guys talk about, LinkedIn, Facebook, and, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Do you have certain types of videos that you will only put on LinkedIn or that you would only put on Instagram. Um, can you give the, read the loyal readers some advice on what are the types? Because I kind of think of, and I think there was some sort of meme that went around like, you know, a picture of people and it's like, this is what I look like on LinkedIn. And it's like their headshot. Right. This is what I look <laughs> like on Instagram. It's like, you yeah. know, so um, what are those types of videos that you would want to put on those four social media platforms? Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll, you know, say important thing here, which is it, it depends on your business and where your audience is and, and what their expectations might be. So the, the answer, there is no global answer to this. It does depend on, mm -hmm. on what you do. In our world, um, we're primarily a, a B2B uh, organization and we appeal to people's professional personas, if you will. And therefore, mm -hmm. uh, one of our primary social channels is LinkedIn, where people are expecting mm -hmm. business-related and professional content. That's where they're kind of in that persona mindset. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, looking for information. And so we will create content specific for LinkedIn that is intended mm -hmm. to be educational, interesting to, to share ideas specifically about our world of, you know, how to be better at using video in your business, as an example, um, that type of content we do not put on our Instagram channel. And we put very little of that on, mm -hmm. for example, our Facebook channel, Facebook for us tends to be much more about our culture and recruitment programs. So people will mm -hmm. come to our Facebook page or and subscribe to us there, um, but it tends to be less about in their you know, core business persona and more about they're personally interested in the right. company or they're part of the community. Mm -hmm. And so again, you have to put yourself in the shoes of your audience and think in that different channel, what are the, why are they likely engaging with us and how? And uh, we've even again added in content we're doing now on TikTok and, and other platforms that are very much geared towards what's the mindset of our of our audience there, what might they be looking right. for and what's going to resonate. Very good. Well, then that leads us into the social media uh, checklist. And so here's what you guys uh, recommend. So first is grab their attention the first five seconds. And you can do this by starting with a big question, challenging conventional wisdom or creative visuals. Uh, second is use a visual style that is interesting to watch and include some type of movement. Um, and this is why the walk and talk videos are successful because people are drawn to movement and the human face. 
And then don't forget that shorter is better, general speaking, for videos on social media. And like you just said, you can't put a 10-minute video on Instagram um, like you can on YouTube or you know, LinkedIn or Facebook. So remember the format and what you are able to do. Um, that's also remember that not all social networks are created equal. Again, you have each platform has its own restrictions. Um, and then transcribe and uh, caption your videos because a lot of the times people are not watching it with the sound on and that will bring them in. And then the last one is upload your video natively rather than linking out to another page um, like your YouTube. And with that, it's going to lead us into our final section of the book, which is how to take your events online with webinars and virtual events, and then uh, how Vidyard's virtual event emerged as top demand generator. Uh, so can you tell us, Tyler, what did Vidyard do back in 2018 that kind of put them a little, I would say, at the forefront of, of virtual events? Well, this was you know a moment where we really doubled down our own investment in running our own virtual events for our communities to share mm -hmm. knowledge, to be educational, to be helpful, and to you know and to also help our customers learn about what was happening and the latest products and things like that. And I'd say prior to 2018, we ran online webinars. Uh, we had you know mm -hmm. supported and done some smaller virtual events, but um, we had never really focused on it as a primary channel to reach our audiences. So this was something that, um, you know, became a really, really important part of what we're doing. And we launched mm -hmm. our first really dedicated virtual event where we were intending to bring a lot of people together. We spent a lot of time finding great speakers, really curating the the agenda for our, our audience and, and making sure they were going to get as much value as possible out of it. And, you know, that effort really ended up paying off. It was something that we realized after doing it that you don't need to spend a lot of money. In some cases, you don't need to spend any dollars to actually run a virtual event. It's, you know, it's, it's largely the time and resources to, to manage it. But the return can be very, very, you know, significant. For us, when we would host our in-person conference, we would get three to 500 people because, you know, of geographical constraints and such. But with our virtual event, um, you know, we were able to attract thousands of people and, uh, you know, we're now doing these, you know, multiple times a year and getting thousands of people out to each event because we can create that broader reach. Now, does it replace in-person events? No, we still want to do some of that when we can, because that, uh, you know, real, uh, you know, personal engagement is still important. But we have found, a, you know, this great opportunity where we can run these virtual events at, at a very low cost, but get very broad reach. And a lot of those people who attend you know, come into our marketing and sales funnel and end up demonstrating a lot of interest to uh, to convert. Well, very good. Well, yeah, and that event, um, Loyal Readers, is called Fast Forward. Um, and can anyone attend this event or is it invite only or, or how they wanted to learn more about it? How could they do that? Yeah, well, I'd say sort of a general practice for all of you listening is if you're thinking about running, you know, your own virtual event. So for your business, whether you're B2B or B2C, virtual events can be a really neat way to get engage your audience and to attract people in. Um, you can do them as paid events if it's something where you feel uh, like you might would often do for an in-person event, um, or mm -hmm. you can often make them freely available to try to maximize you know your reach with it. We ourselves make our events freely available because um, we know mm -hmm. on the back end we have very limited costs to run it. So we're not trying to recover right. our costs and frankly don't feel that great mm -hmm. about saying, well, you have to pay for it because it would just kind of be a mm -hmm. grab. Um, so we yep. focus in on building great content, uh, opening up for anybody to join and educate. And for those that learn something and feel that Vidyard might be a great way to go, that's terrific. Um, if not, as long as you learn something, walk away, we've made a great brand impression on you. Um, but as you mentioned, it's called Fast Forward. Just um, if you, you can go to the Vidyard blog and subscribe to our newsletter. And whenever we're having mm -hmm. those events, we share them with our community. Well, very good. Well, with that, it takes us to the final chapter of not just this section, but of this part of the book, and that's the webinar and virtual event checklist. Um, so here's what uh, you guys recommend. Um, first, have a clear goal and attendee persona in mind. So you want to identify your target audience and be sure to select the speaker and content that will resonate with them. Next, choose amazing speakers who can keep a digital audience engaged. Uh, 
Uh, third, stay creative and fresh in your approach to the format. So consider different approaches to session length, presentation style, visuals, um, things of that nature. Uh, fourth, leverage your partner community to expand your reach. Um, this is something that I hope that we can do um, where when we finish this podcast, uh, Marcus and Tyler will share it with their audience and learn more um, about uh, explain this book to me. And then fifth and final is the value doesn't end when the live session is over. So you are now able with it being recorded to repurpose the content on your blog, email marketing, and your social media. And with that, we have reached the end of today's episode. So thank you so much for joining me, Tyler, for book four, episode two of The Visual Sale. Um, can you tell the lawyers if they or the loyal readers if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. Tyler Lassard, Vidyard, you'll find me. Um, so please connect with me on LinkedIn. I share lots of information there and um, you know, feel free to, to ping me, ask me a question or send me a little video to say hello. That sounds good. And loyal readers, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Agency Intelligence Podcast. And if you have 60 seconds to spare today, would you please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform? Because when you do that, others just like yourself will find us and will be able to impact more because of you. If you haven't already purchased Marcus's book um, and Tyler's book, then please check out the show notes where there's going to be a link um, to purchase it on Amazon. We are also now on Instagram as explain this book to me. Um, we'd love if you can follow us and we can connect with you outside of the podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts you'd like to share with me, feel free to email me at josh at agency-intelligence.com. And loyal readers, thank you again for downloading the second episode of our fourth book of the Explain This Book to Me podcast, where I sit down with authors, thought leaders, and visionaries to explain the book to you and have them answer the questions that I have. Remember to be safe, be healthy, and love everyone. This has been Josh Lipstone with Explain This Book to Me.